When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host. Yes, that's right. It's me. It's Emma Gunn Awardner. And joining me in this episode, I'm so happy to have spent this time with her. It's makeup artist Bryony Blake. Now, Bryony and I should, by rights, have met a long time ago because our worlds have Well, they're so intertwined. She works in TV makeup, shoot makeup. I've worked for magazines. I've worked on TV as well. But actually, it wasn't until very recently, I think about a year ago that we met. And she's just, and genuinely, I mean this, she's just one of the easiest people to spend time with. I have chatted to her at events. And the first time we got talking was on a trip away. We went on an overnighter with a brand and we got chatting and I thought, well, she seems really nice. And then when I went round to her house to go and record this podcast, I'm always a little bit nervous before podcast recordings because you just don't know what chemistry is going to be like on the day and you want to make sure that you do the guest justice and that you have a great conversation that you'll enjoy. And she is genuinely one of the easiest people to spend time with, to talk to, and she's just so nice and open. And at no point during the conversation did I think, oh, I might have, I might have stepped over a line there or anything like that. She's just good people is what I'm trying to get across. I had such a ball hanging out with her and chatting to her. And actually, I really I'm really glad that we've got this conversation on tape because I think you can just see what a brilliant professional she is, who's also really decent to other people, which I think is a lovely thing to be, don't you? Anyway, um, in this conversation, we talk about Bryony's incredible career, how it started, her artistic background, working in TV, working on shoots, um, her advice to people who want to get into the beauty industry or want to get into makeup artistry and how to work your way up and maybe uh, do it in a do it in a way that's quite smooth and seamless. And also just, you know, what it's like being constantly on the move, running around with makeup kit and having to make people feel beautiful, even if you might not be feeling so great. So there's lots that we cover in this episode. So so rather than me wang on, I think let's just get down to it, shall we? This is the lovely, brilliant Bryony Blake, who uh, TV viewers will know from this morning. Uh, She does the beauty segments on there. 
but uh, she's also a makeup artist on huge TV shows in the UK. I know that we have an international audience, but that's just to put her into context. But all of the links to Bryony, so you'll be able to see exactly what she does on a day-to-day basis, will be in the show notes, which can be found wherever you are streaming and downloading this episode. But I have to say what a pleasure and a delight it is to have recorded this episode of The Emma Gunn Show with Bryony Blake. Um, so, Bryony Blake. Hello. Are you excited? I am. I'm slightly nervous. I always get really nervous about these things. <laughs> Please don't be nervous. Please. Well, no, you've had some incredible people on your podcast, so I feel very, very privileged that you've asked me. I have another incredible person <laughs> on today. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, it's, I've, I've done maybe two in my lifetime of podcasts. Which, uh, you know, I'm sure are fascinating. I've not, I can't bear the sound of my voice, so. No one can. I always say to people, um, don't listen back unless you can move beyond it. Because you'll start, you'll, you'll start thinking the content of what you're saying is poor. And it's not. It's because you're obsessing about how your voice sounds. So true. But you've got a really good sultry sounding voice. I don't like listening to him. I think I sound like a knob. No, I think you've got a really good, you're very, you've got quite a low voice. It's very, you'd be really good at doing um, those calm, calm stories. What are they called? Oh, sleep, sleep stories. stories. That's what you need to do. You've got a great voice for that. Well, I have interviewed the founders of Calm and Headspace and no Ooh. one's made the call. What? <laughs> Trust me. I love a sleep story. I think you'd be great. Do you? Yeah. I actually... My boyfriend suffers really bad with tinnitus, is it that? Where yeah. he, he got a really bad cold one time and he's always had it. So we oh, listened to story thing. tapes. Like I, but I always did as a kid because I always struggled getting to sleep. Because I find that as soon as you get in bed, especially as a child, I used to worry about stuff. Mm. Like, have I done this? Did I do my homework? Da, da, da. And I, I still have it a bit as an adult. Like, oh, mm. I haven't paid my credit card bill. Oh, I forgot to email that person back. And your brain just goes and goes mm. and goes. And I find having something to listen to like a storybook mm. or something completely mundane. It can't be scary. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Just nice and soft. Instantly I go to bed. Oh, I that's interesting. Straight away. You can't do horror movies, can you? No, I love a horror movie. What? Just not at night time. Okay. And not on my own. In the house on my own. Never. Um, because you said you worry and you said you worried as a kid. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's like me. She won't be able to watch scary movies. No. My body can't tell the difference. To my, so my reaction when I'm watching a horror movie is as if it's happening. <laughs> It's like, do you know what I mean? My stress yes. response doesn't realise it's fun. So I can't, I'm not really a big fan of roller coasters either. Oh, I see. I, I <laughs> Yeah, I've got the weirdest thing. So I really love horror films, mm-hmm. love them. Um, and I kind of love the, the scariness of it. I find if you put your fingers in your ears and don't listen to the music, it's not scary at all. It's just a oh, man yeah. walking down a corridor. Yeah. So I often will sit there with my fingers in my ears it. a little bit. Mute <laughs> it. mute it. Yeah, the woman in black isn't the same when you just mute it. It's not at all scary. Um, I think that's terrifying. But I kind of like the thrill of it. I love roller coasters, but I'm scared of heights. I'm slightly better than I was, but I am scared of heights. So I have to watch watch them first. And it's usually the cranking up stuff that that's where it gets me. As long as it's quick and spinny around, no. fine. Oh, no. See, I don't mind the, the, the tick, tick, yeah. tick. But then when I... That's the bit where I'm like, ah, this yeah. does not make sense. Yeah. And the, and the thing, you know, when you were little, you always used to have that like slight gap between you and that padded lock-in seatbelt. I always thought I'd fly out of it. I don't think... I wasn't allowed to go on those sorts of things were as a not? kid. No, 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 no. Um, 
I can. You, you had parents that were obviously weren't children themselves, <laughs> and basically only had children, so they could go on those rides, which is what I had. Oh no, I did not have that situation <laughs> at all. I think the, no, I, I tell a lie. When I was six. I went on Thunder Mountain at Disney World. We all went as a family. And I think everyone just came off and went, yeah, no, we probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, that's a scary one, in Mm, fairness. Yeah, Yeah. I I recently went on um, to Universal Studios and it was the best thing ever. We were trying to find a particular Harry Potter ride for a long time. (laughs) Which one? Well, I didn't realise there were three. Technically, there were three there, okay? So I started off and me and my mate were like, yay, we've been on the Harry Potter ride. This is awesome, the one with the broomsticks. Like, this is great. And we were like, okay, we're going to go on the other one because everyone was saying the other one was better. It's got dragons. I was like, wicked. So we get on and we're like, amazing. There's no one really queuing here. This is fantastic. We get on what we think is like a train. We're like, oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. It shuts. No, no, that just takes you the other side of the park where the original one that I've already been on is there. So we thought that was the ride. It wasn't. It was simply just to getting you across the park, which takes a good three hours. (laughs) Was that like getting you from South Terminal to North Terminal at Gatwick? Exactly that. So we were like, wow, when's the dragons going to appear? No, the dragons didn't appear. So that that basically took an entire day because then we had to get back and the queue on the way back. It was a disaster. I'm not good at things like that. I'm not very good with directions. No, I like order. I like an itinerary. I like order. I like knowing when things are going to happen. Oh, you're a really good person. So we should travel together, right? Because I'm a really good ideas person, Mm. but I don't like organizing things. So I'll be like, hey, I saw this really amazing thing once. Let's go and find it. And you'll be like, yes. And then you'll find it and make it happen. I have a concierge (laughs) ability about, yeah, I've done that where I've gone away with a friend before and we turned up at the airport and because I've gone on lots of work trips where you have an itinerary, I handed her a plastic wallet with our wow. itinerary and she was like, this is actually amazing. This is amazing. Like, I these are our emergency numbers, <laughs> like everything. Wow, you are definitely the person to, like, honestly, you, <laughs> yeah, I'm not good. I need to have, I can only travel with people like you because otherwise we'll probably end up in the wrong country, to be fair. Mm. But it will be fun and adventurous. That's how I always plug it to my mates. I wouldn't see it like that. I would be... We'll take you places you've never been before and slightly risk, you know, your life. But don't worry, it'll be great. (laughs) I would be on Instagram stories going, this is day one of being lost in Colombia and sent help and... Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We'll be kidnapped. But it'll be fun. Bryony's gone to find tequila (laughs) um, and I'm scared. It'll be like Blair Witch. I'm thinking that is a great instagram like <laughs> week to be fair i think people want to see it no no i'm i'm actually getting palpitations just thinking are you about it, yeah. i'm kind of excited okay well we can talk about that yeah first. i think we should do that for sure a holiday in 2020 yeah let's put it on columbia the Tick. <laughs> um so let's talk about going back and being organized or the thrill ride of your career actually yeah because it has been i mean you are on primetime tv and not just one show, you're involved in lots of the primetime television shows, as you're probably one of the most famous, well-known makeup artists working in TV today. Not just TV. That's scary. Um, oh, do you need scary. to lie down? Yeah, that's a horrific thought. <laughs> but why is it horrific? I don't know. I think maybe... I, I still find it very difficult. I think when you're a makeup artist, it's not about you. Yes. Okay, so for like... I think I've been doing this 18 years now, something like that. I keep, I keep forgetting to put it up. Let's just stay with 18. I've been doing it for a really long time now and I, I, I love it so much, but mm. it really isn't about you when you're doing it. Like, you know, the, the things that you have to think about when you're a makeup artist is, you know, 
someone brand new sitting in my chair, I've got to instantly touch their face. That's very, that's quite interfering. You know, it can make you feel personal. It's really personal. It's intimate. Yeah, very intimate. And also, they don't. You don't know what they're going through. They don't know Mm. what you're going through. But really, whatever's going through with you, you have to leave it at the door, and you've just got a job to do. Mm. I've got a job that the producers want them out at a certain time. They've got to look great. They've got to feel great. You're giving them the kind of, you know confidence and power to go out and do their job Mm -hmm. and I just always find it really funny so now that I'm kind of more in let's say the public eye type of thing doing my job I find it really weird because I still don't feel like it shouldn't really be about me I find Mm -hmm. that quite uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because it's not really about me it's still I just love the thought of kind of educating people and making them feel the best they can to Mm -hmm. go and do whatever they need to do and it's, it is really odd, but I always get really nice things. I, I think if someone came up to me and went, I hate you on TV, <laughs> you'd be rubbish. I think I'd be mortified and probably never go out again. Madonna always says it's really good to polarise people, or I don't know if she always says it, but I feel like I've heard her say that before. Um, but I think Madonna can handle that. Whereas I can't. <laughs> no, I'm really sensitive. Mm. I mean, I did for a, for a very short time when I was younger think about going into being an actor I mean why who knows so my mum was a tv presenter um back in the kind of 70s 80s and uh I hated my mum being noticed oh. I hated it like when we were at dinner or something someone came up and went, oh I love you on that I hated it I didn't like it at all I found it really intrusive and um I just I, I found that quite interesting that kind of whole kind of tech like just the whole thing of it I found it really odd Mm. and then we did a few programs and stuff when I was younger and my mum kind of was like oh cheap labour get the kids in so we kind of did it with her and we did a horse program which was actually really interesting like really funny and it was great and we were being ourselves and it was all about educating people how to ride Mm. and we lived on you know near a farm and stuff Mm. like that and it was great but I thought afterwards I was like hey maybe I could be acting I think I'm quite witty (laughs) and my mum was like you do realize they'll tell you to cut your hair and to lose weight and they'll tell you to like be Scottish and I was like oh so they don't want me and she went no that's not what acting's about and I was like I think I'm too sensitive for this and she was like I agree (laughs) so no I didn't do acting, thank goodness, because I really don't think I would be good at it. I am way too sensitive about things like that. Mm. I, I kind of take that for granted. And also, I, I, I love being involved in all of it, but I don't want to be that much, that attention, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've been in situations where, um, not, on, not on set, but at concerts, where I did a, um, when Cheryl did a tour a little while ago, I was backstage doing some social media stuff and working with a brand that she was working with. So we kind of went on a bit of a regional tour. Mm. And it was that thing of, you're all, there's a momentum. And then at a certain point, there's an invisible line. She crosses it and you don't. Yeah. Because that's the line is when she then goes on the stage. Yeah. And that's actually quite a nice, it's a fun vantage point. Yeah. That you have. Yeah, because you kind of get all the kind of like, the VIP treatment you get all of that but then at the same time they're the ones that have to go in but in a way like for me like it's a you know being a makeup artist you it's so much more than just putting stuff on people's faces like you are literally I you know I've had to dump people for people before (laughs) I've had to like you're their confident you're like their mum you look after their kids you're like their nanny you're the one that like gets them up in the morning Mm. you know I was watching Downton Abbey last night basically I'm like Anna 
I don't watch Downton. Well, I'm the like you're. I I kind of told lady someone I was waiting. like we. I am a modern lady in waiting. That's what you do. You're their the person that they trust. You're like their best friend. Mm. You're the person they tell everything to. If they've had a terrible night before, you're that person. You know, you are really. It's quite. It's more counselling than it is. I think skill a lot of the time, but you kind of have to have the skill to be able to do the other side of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've heard personal trainers say that a lot, mm. that, that actually 90% of the job is emotional counselling. Yeah, definitely. And, and you're then, working with people that are singers and actors mm. and stuff that are actually naturally quite vulnerable people. Mm. Um, and they're putting themselves out there to be criticised or, or anything. And it's, you know, it's hard. And you're that kind of person that they rely on to kind of make them feel great before they do that did you understand that because I was having a conversation with um a nutritionist the other day and um she was uh, on her way back to go and do clinic and I said this might sound like a really odd question but um how obviously the purpose of somebody coming to see you is to have you help them with their nutrition either tweak it or whatever to solve whatever problem they might be having or to get them to a certain place where they want to be but I would imagine that a lot of that conversation is emotional and a lot of that for you isn't just about putting them on a course or getting getting them where they want to be. It's um, letting them know that you hear them. Mm. And the response she gave was really interesting because she said, yeah, and actually I've she's got a PhD, she's got loads of qualifications and she said at no point did anybody teach, nobody teaches you that. Yeah. And I would imagine the same is true in makeup, yeah. well, I know it to be true, in that no one really teaches you that that intimacy that you have, yeah. particularly when you're working, it's not just like you're training on models or anything, as in yeah. honing your skills. You then maybe go on tour with someone or you're backstage with someone, and as you say, there's this transference of really intimate information. Yeah. I definitely think you're a type of person when you're a makeup artist. I think you're, you know, you... you you like be I mean it's funny because a, a lot of makeup artists work on their own so a lot of fashion mm. people tend to work with them on their own or they're with a hairdresser a lot mm. of the time whereas I'm really I feel very very lucky the fact that when I do shows like Strictly or Britain's Got Talent or things like that you know I start out working as a group mm. so I've got a really solid group of really amazing hugely talented makeup artists but we all have each other's backs mm. and it's funny when I meet a lot of makeup artists now you know out and about and especially when you start doing personals, because you do tend to work just on your own, but then you sometimes mm. mix with other people. Um, I feel that I'm quite lucky, and so are the girls that I work with in the team, because a lot of makeup artists don't have that, because it's really competitive now as mm. well. So you're like, oh, do I trust you? Are you going to nick my client? Mm. Do I recommend you to someone if to cover me or not? Because mm. I don't know if I trust you enough. And I find that that's one thing that I would recommend to people is like try and work as a group or try and actually become friends with people because you the community and the help mm. like when we work on Strictly that is honestly it's one of the most stressful jobs but it's so amazing to work on but half of it is because we're working as a team there's like 15 of us in one room hair and makeup and we're all really good friends mm. but I can tell straight away just by overhearing a conversation that the girl next to me is having she's really struggling with her person and I know whether or not she needs me to step in. I know whether or not I need to actually leave the area. Mm -hmm. I know whether or not to go and get someone else to help with that situation. Mm -hmm. And it's this kind of amazing dance that we do within our room mm -hmm. to actually help one another out. And I always feel a bit sad for other makeup artists that don't really have that kind of community. Because I'm like, it's incredible. The people that you work with are amazing mm -hmm. people. But also they're of a similar ilk to you because mm -hmm. you have that same kind of personality in a way that you 
all you want to do is make people feel good about themselves so why wouldn't you want to hang out with people mm. like that all the time and also the skills that you pick up I still love watching people do makeup it's like my favorite thing I still watch my mum do her makeup do you yeah I love it is do you think that's the first tutorial you ever had like yeah. like a lot of us watching your mum yeah definitely I was talking to my friend the other day because obviously with my mum being a presenter she used to have a big makeup box and one of my favourite things to do with my friend Sarah, she used to, we used to alternate every Thursday. I'd go to her house, she'd come to mine. And the, <laughs> the best game that we played was we'd get out the makeup box mm-hmm. and we'd make each other up. We weren't allowed to see each other's face. Like she wasn't allowed to, <gasps> I wasn't allowed to look until the finished. And she was like, that was your favourite game you played. And I was like, I don't really ever remember loving it that much. And she was like, you loved it. That was our main thing that we did. And I do remember, and I still find it really calming watching my mum. Because my mum and my grandma have always been really glamorous women. Mm. Like, they would never go out with any makeup on. Like, just never. My Mm. mum will always have a liner, always have a bit of mascara. My grandma would always have lipstick on, like cons. And I just, and I love that kind of glamour of it. You know, mm. I think it's really nice to, you know, when I come in from work, if I'm going out for dinner, I'll always like put something new on, like a different top, and I'll always refresh my makeup because it makes me feel good. Mm. And I love that whole kind of making yourself feel a little bit glamorous because then you feel that, yeah, okay, I'm, you know, I feel good. So I can now have a great night. And, and it's totally personal. It's not, mm. I'm not doing it for anyone other than myself. And I just, that's what I try and encourage other women to do is, you know, some women are like, oh, I just don't have time or oh, who cares what I look like? Oh, I'm past it because I'm over a certain age. And I'm like, you're never past it. Like, there's no such words to, of that. Like, mm. you can still look super glam going to your son's wedding and, you know, go and get your hair and makeup done or, or just watch a tutorial and, and figure out just by wearing a different lip color or a blush or a mascara, that's all you have to wear. Mm. You know, you can feel so much better in yourself. Yeah, I remember when I did my makeup course about 10 years ago, there was a girl who was on it who was very despondent in her job. And at the end of one of the sessions, one of the days, the um, the guy who was running the course and I sort of almost just heard her out, gave her a little bit of a pep talk. And the next day she walked in and she was wearing the most beautiful but very, very bright lipstick. And we looked at each other, um, the guy teaching the course, and we just said, oh, she's she's had the epiphany. And she came in and she just said, I've quit. I'm doing this. And she's now flying. Like it, But it was Amazing. so interesting that we the reason we knew that she had acted upon everything that had been said the night before was because she was wearing a really bold lipstick the next day. And you just knew that. And she was carrying herself differently. Yeah. It was just amazing. I, I think the transformative power and the self-care in makeup can be just so powerful I, I i think it's really funny i was reading um the papers the other day saying how there was a little column about how people watch people do their makeup on the train and whether or not they think it's appropriate or not mm. and i was finding that really interesting because i love watching people do their makeup and not in a criticizing way like people in to go oh don't watch me do my eyeliner and i'm like i'm my makeup artist head is off i just love oh, watching really? people do it i don't think i can do it better i don't sit there and judge people i'm mm. like you do you it's mm. great i just i you know what what I might see you do is I might pick up a tip from you. Who knows? Mm. And I just think it's really interesting because I just think whatever makes you feel good. Like, I find it really odd that people, you know, you go to work, you've got a certain outfit. Let's say you wear a suit to work. You would not wear that to your best friend's wedding because it you're working. It's your mm. work outfit. That's what you do. So why wouldn't you change your makeup or your hair? for that as well? Mm. I find it really odd that people would go, oh, I just wear the same makeup every day. And I'm like, 
But how can you feel special if you don't change that up? It's like wearing the same clothes for the mm. entire day and then going into an evening and wearing the same outfit you wouldn't feel good about yourself or I, do you know what I mean like I would have to change or like I wouldn't you know in jeans and a t-shirt wouldn't turn up to my friend's wedding I'd want to look glam or wear a dress or something so you feel appropriate and I was like that's exactly the same for your makeup but like you said it just has to be a lipstick maybe mm. or something so you feel really like oh yeah gives you that little boost of confidence yeah, it can just... And it's knowing, isn't it? It's like you could do the same makeup every day. I rarely wear lipstick. So for me, I just dial down everything. And then if I'm like, oh, I'm going to wear a lipstick today, I just dial everything else down a little yeah. bit and then put the bright lipstick on. And do you feel super glam when you wear your lipstick? I always worry that it's just bled out over my face or that the bit in the middle's worn off. So I spend the entire time with a hand mirror going, is it still there? <laughs> Quickly looking. I'm just not a natural dark or bold lipstick wearing woman. Oh, you could carry off with your eyes. You can carry off every colour under the sun <laughs> with lipstick. That's what kills me when people say it. I'm like, do you know how many lipstick colours you could wear? Put them on Instagram. But yeah, on a practical day-to-day thing, I just overdraw my lips with a nude pencil it's come off now and then just put on a gloss or a balm i'm obsessed literally i used to work on a counter and i used to set myself a target for basically um putting different lip colors on every hour and i was like i'm gonna sell this and it would always be a really ugly lipstick that no one ever bought and i'd be like right i'm gonna put it on and i'm gonna try and make it look attractive and sell it yeah because you do get bored on a counter if it's quiet or whatever so i'd constantly change my makeup up and then I'd be like, I'm going to try and sell this really ugly, gold, shimmery lip gloss that no one buys and we've got 25 in the cupboard. And I'd do it every time. I'd be like, isn't this a great colour? Let me put it on you. I love that. Yeah. So where did it start for you? Because we, before we started recording, you talked about um, uh, art and yeah. how you really do see it as an art form. Yeah. And we were talking, listeners, about... Um, Bryony obviously has this artistic background and has practiced on other people's faces for many many years but then also we have a new crop mm. of artists that perhaps don't have a similar thing yeah and that doesn't mean one is right and one is no. wrong it just means it's just interesting to see it's just really different everyone's approach yeah I mean I went to a really creative school I went to a Steiner school which is like a Waldorf education which is kind of a hip we call it a hippie school but mm. you're not really supposed to be it's wicked I loved it massively creative um just very different type mm. of education, which I loved. Um, and I'm a real pro to it as well. Um, and the art side of it was incredible. And they were really, you know, really kind of made sure that you were good at art or, you know, you did art from like four years old onwards constantly. Mm. And it was really important. And, you know, my family would tell you, like, I constantly drew all the time. As soon as I came home, I had a book Mm. that I did a whole story. It was a bit like a soap opera, but it was all in pictures. Um, <sighs> still got it somewhere. What was it called? Well, I didn't really have a name for it, but it was always a, it was always a lot of girls and their relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very... It was pretty gritty at times. There was a car accident once. <laughs> no! Yeah. yeah. Ever drew a car. No, but it was fine, because, you know, the guy that saved right. her yeah. turned out to be her husband. It was great. They had loads of kids. Great. Got you. Yeah, it was really good. So this is a, a whole thing that I did for years. <laughs> Um, and also loved making up with my friends, like when they came over. And I think when someone said to me, and I think it was from quite a young age when people say to you, oh, what do you want to do when you're older? And I always wanted to be an artist. And I, I kind of got to the age where you have to really think about what you want to do. And I was like, well, look, do you know what? I'm going to try and combine everything that I love. I love movies. I love art and I love people. Mm. And I was just kind of thinking about that. And then obviously being a makeup artist back then wasn't actually that popular. 
no, I'm actually a lot older than you think I am. I'm at least 58. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but it really wasn't. You a very, are older <laughs> than I think you are. Yeah, it's not that pop. It wasn't that popular at all. So, I mean. Wait, how, how old are I'm you? I'm 36. Oh, get out of my face. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, I am. I know. It's... I'm much older than you. But I find that there wasn't that many makeup artists. I mean, also, when you live in the countryside, there really are that many makeup artists. Like, you can only yeah. make up, like, sheep which didn't really happen. So I literally was in the middle of nowhere. I don't think they like that. Yeah, they don't like it that much, but sometimes they do. (laughs) There's glitter for ponies now, you know. (laughs) The world is going to Exactly. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, yeah. So I basically just did that. And then I decided that I was going to go to art college and do a foundation course in art. But again, everything always at the end was going to do makeup. So Mm. I was always, all the kind of projects I had always ended up with makeup sides to them. Mm. And then when it came to choosing your uni, I was like, where teaches you makeup and London College of Fashion did it and I decided to you know go for the BA honours degree or the HND and I actually went to the wrong interview standard (laughs) (laughs) I went up on the wrong day and um, I was with my dad and I was like what sorry what I didn't even look around the college I don't really understand why I didn't look around the college but I didn't because mm. I, I thought that was the only place that really did makeup so I kind of walked in and they were like oh this is the BA and I'm a little bit dyslexic but I'm quite a good writer mm-hmm. so which is co- confusing for people so I went in and I was like oh is there loads of essay writing because I don't think I'll be good at that and they were like well there's a bit and I was like, but then I smashed the interview because I basically was like, look, I'm going to be a really good makeup artist. I love it so much. And they were quite overwhelmed mm. by my knowledge of movies and makeup. So they were like, oh, cool. So then they kind of were basically offering me the, the you know, to do the BA. And I was a bit like, okay. So I didn't even bother go for the H&D. And then I thought, well, hang on a minute. I still might not get in. Mm. Um, so I the whole time I just didn't think I was going to get in. And then I did, and it was really odd. So I felt like, because <laughs> I didn't really... Pretty much, there's a little bit of that that goes on in my life. I live in a little bit of my own little world. Um, and I did it, and I loved it. And I did it for three years, and it was great. It was hard, really hard. Um, and then as soon as I came out, I basically just knocked on people's doors and phoned people and was like, hi, can I get on the film? Hi, can I come and do work experience? Oh, my gosh. You know, this is before Instagram and social media, so I literally went through numbers and phoned people. I I mean, I probably couldn't recite it now, but if I were to sit down and really think about it, I could tell you all of the addresses of the magazines because I used to write letters to them. Yeah, but this is the other thing that I think is slightly lacking now is the fact that I phoned them. And you have yeah. to be confident to have that conversation with someone mm, and true. also write a letter. Nowadays, like, yeah, there's emails and all of that, but it's very generic. Whereas I literally phoned a production company because they were making a film down the road from my mum's house. I thought, I'll get on that. <laughs> <laughs> my commute's a cinch. <laughs> yeah. I was like, result. <laughs> um, and um, I eventually, the production officer were like, hi, Bryony. I was like, hi, yeah. Um, they even knew my name. And they were like, look, we'll get them to call you. And she did phone me, but they were moving to like Reading or somewhere. I was like, dang doesn't um, work for me but i went anyway and i did a week on this film and it was which film was it I, It was actually pride and prejudice with kira knightley in it get out of yeah my, what yeah it was amazing that's a great first yeah. that was your first film that was yeah my first ever film which i thought was i mean i only did a week or two weeks on it and we did a big crowd Still. scene which was insane on the cv yeah immediately straight away yeah um and it was so incredible but that was my first kind of glimpse of what people were like at movies and stuff and 
it was interesting. I was expecting everyone to be a bit more like, hey, how are you? And a lot of them were slightly miserable makeup artists that had been there since, you know, 4.30am. And there I was, loving life, because it was my first ever <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I didn't touch anyone's face. All I did was sort out bags, wigs, and I went around with a gigantic magnet and picked up hairpins, which I was thrilled to do. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I was thrilled. I didn't care. I was just on a movie set. I mean, it was the best thing ever. So that's kind of where it started. I feel like as well, in those early days, when I think about my first work experiences on national magazines, and I'm guessing for you with Pride and Prejudice, you are so receptive to everything. You could probably tell me what temperature it was that day and yeah. how so-and-so wore their hair and what what kind of shoes they were wearing. You just take in absolutely yeah. everything in those experiences. You are like a sponge. Loved it. I mean, loved it. It was amazing. Um, and then I kind of, I unfortunately got a little bit poorly, so I couldn't go away for too long over a period of time. So then I, I ended up just phoning people and saying, can I do work experience with you? And I managed to do work experience with someone called Jackie Tyson when I was 16. I know Jackie. Yeah. She worked with, um, did she do lots of work with Liberty X back in the day? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I phoned her because she used to, um, what are they called? Supergrass. Yes. So she used to work with, she still works with really cool bands. And she basically took me on and um, she... I was like, she's never going to remember me. Um, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you. And she came in and she went, I've got a little gig this weekend. Do you want to come and do Bad Day, Band Aid 20? Mm. And I was like, sure. <laughs> Didn't really know what that was. Cool. So just what? And my dad was like, oh, my God. Right. So Hang he on. sat me down, showed me all the old footage of Band Aid. Wait, if you're 36, you were born in 82. Oh, yeah, you might have. So I kind of missed it a bit. Mm. So then I turned up and there's like, you know, Will Young, Sugar Babes, Dizzy Rascal, Coldplay. Oh my God. All, all in air studios. And I was there with my little set bag, ready to powder anyone that wanted it. <laughs> and it was like the best job ever. And I worked with a girl called Nadine, who I still work with on Strictly to this day. And I saw Jackie the other day because she came in Strictly because she's been working with a band, like different bands. Mm. And I still say, she's my makeup mum. Like I love her. And she's absolutely then started X Factor. So she was doing all the contestants on X Factor for like from the first year up until about year eight, maybe. Mm. And I was with her the whole time, so we did that. And then from there, I got Britain's Got Talent, which she still does. Mm. Um, And we, yeah, I mean, it it literally happened like that. And I always say to people, if you're a good assistant, I don't think I was that great, but (laughs) I I like to think I was helpful. Mm. But if you're a good assistant and you you literally are trustworthy. So for me, when I look for an assistant, I'm like, can you just do this hair and I'm going to do the makeup? And if they go, yeah, not a problem. There's no issue there. You know you're on to a good mm. one. If you have anyone that slightly pauses or is a bit apprehensive or a bit nervous, or you have to go over their work, mm. then you know that's not ideal. Um, and I think that's the thing with being an assistant. you just got to be really, ha- like, nothing's a problem. Mm. Always look busy. Nothing's a problem. Make sure everyone's okay. They're all full, you know, fed and watered. Yeah. And you'll go you know sky high and I was with her the whole time and then through her I met other people Mm. and then they I assisted them and was on shows with them all the time and it it just happened to be like that and then you kind of form a team so it was I was really lucky but you know it was a good like five years of not earning any money okay let's unpick two things there we'll come back to the money in a second yeah but let's talk about I was really lucky because I I say that about my um my getting to work in magazines And somebody said to me a few years ago, you might have had some lucky breaks to get work experience, but you can't say lucky this many years in. 
Yeah. Luck doesn't last that long. Yeah, I was having that conversation with uh, with someone the other day, funny enough. I was like, oh, you know, it was really easy and it was a really great job. And they were like, it was easy because you know what you're doing. And I was like, I just really hope I, I mm. didn't disappoint them. I hope they got everything mm. they wanted from me. Because, you know, you always worry that when you're being employed by someone that you want to do a really good yeah. job. And like, he just turned around and was like, when are you going to realise that clearly you do a good job and that you're quite good at what mm. you do? And I was like, I don't know, really. I don't know when I'm ever <laughs> going to realise that. But all I want to do is make sure that every, you know, everyone's happy and stuff like that. Mm. And I think maybe, you know, that's an element that you have as well, that you just, you want to make sure that everyone's happy and that you do the best job you can possibly do. And also you go, you go that a little bit further. I've always done that. Mm. You know, I always make sure that if someone, you know, when I was on a counter, for instance, and I finished at five, you know, there are those people that are like, see ya, shut the door and then walk out. But then if there was someone lingering around or needed help, mm. like, yeah, I would stay and I would help them out. And, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like, always just make sure you're that person that just will stay a little bit longer or... Go above the, and beyond, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that shows. And that's what people pick up on as well. That's what I pick up on with others. I think given the fact that you've probably been in the industry a similar time to me now, at some point you transition from being new, enthusiastic, trainee, learning. And while I always do believe that one is always learning, I also think there comes a point where it flips and actually you're then helping the next gen come up. Yeah. And nobody really teaches you how to be a mentor. You just, I guess, learn by example from people like Jackie. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I guess, have you been in that position where you see somebody with the same enthusiasm and the same hunger in their eyes that you had. And what? how do you guide them? Yeah, because I, I actually, I, I can't call her my assistant anymore, unfortunately, because she's too darn good and she's now <laughs> does her own thing. Um, but yeah, I had a girl who I got from a college because I taught there and I was like, look, I need someone really quickly. Who would I get? And the other tutors said, oh, she's really good. Take her. So I did. And I pretty much knew straight away that she was, really good because she was very competent she was didn't worry about anything I put her on sets I knew she wasn't going to talk too much or talk Mm. her enough make the people feel comfortable you know it's that's the Mm. other thing is like they need to learn how to behave on sets but I think they learn that from you as well so you know we'd go down there I'd be like oh you know make sure you need to check that or don't step in until they ask you to but always say can I just have a little check Mm. or a tweak or you know be polite da 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 um, and yeah, she's absolutely flying. She's doing brilliantly. And she's actually one of my best friends. And it's really funny how I always used to think that you couldn't have best friends unless you'd known them for years. Same. And I really love the fact, I mean, I love making friends. Mm. <laughs> Anyone will tell you. Um, I do love making friends and it's really weird. I find it really odd when people go, oh, I've got too many friends. I don't need any more. And I'm like, what? How can you, how can you have too many mm. friends? And I was like, she's so amazing and we're really similar. And I just feel like I've known her forever and we've literally known each other maybe five years. She's the same age as my sister, so she's nine years younger than me. But she's such an incredible person. She's so talented as well. Mm. And I feel so proud of her. And I think that's the other thing is you've also got to, when you mentor someone, you've also got to enable them to go, set them free a little bit, but also not be attitude-y towards it. Because I've felt that in Mm. the past where... I've been someone's assistant and they don't like you going up the ranks. They always mm. want to keep you a little bit behind. And there are people now that don't talk to me anymore because they didn't like the fact that I'm kind of on par with them now because mm. yes, I was their assistant, but now, you know, like everyone does, you evolve and you get your own clients. 
And, and I find that such a shame. And Jackie was amazing at doing that. She was always really encouraging mm. me to kind of go forwards. And I really hope that I do that for others. Like, you know, when they come to me and they go, well, I've been approached by a really amazing job. And you go, darn, I wish I had mm. got that job. But I don't go, oh, really? Well, what's their name? What's their number? Yeah, you don't sabotage. Absolutely not. Because it's fantastic. And also, you never know. Those are the people that might be employing you later on. Mm. You know, that's why I'm always like, be nice to everyone because that person that's getting you the tea, you know, they might be hiring you in seven years and being an exec producer on a show, mm. which is absolutely the case in a lot of the shows that I've worked on. Yeah, I think it comes down to people's ego. And I remember on magazines, I um, I felt very insecure in my role because I had been very, in air quotes, lucky to get it. And so if work experience came in, even though I'd been a work experience, I didn't want to let them know I'd been a work experience. I wanted them to think, oh yeah, she's she was born to do this. And then when I then went back into magazines after a break, wherever I went, where there was a work experience girl, I would always go in, oh boy. And I would go in and I would say, hi, my name's Emma. I'm here three days a week. This is what I do. And it's, it's actually funny how often somebody will say, well, you don't remember me, but actually I was on work experience and you, you came and introduced yourself and it was really nice. Yeah. And I really think about all those years when I didn't do it and I just think, well, you knob Emma, you're such a dickhead. But I that think was ego, that yeah, was ego. But I think that is so important to do that. And mm. I, I really try to do that with people because, you know, I think it's, it's, it's so important. And it's, it's also like, who makes you that person that can't talk to someone else like that, mm. you know? Don't and I always found that again. I, I keep referring to the fact that I worked on a counter, which I think is really important when you want to be a makeup artist. Ooh, and so many people. Tell. Well, I think you get it's it's. I think it's such a learning curve. I think you should work on ones that are based on makeup artists that they kind of employ makeup artists, either Mac, Bobby Brown, Laura Mercier, mm. like people like that. They're also going to educate you. Not only do you get a really good discount on products, it's really expensive being a makeup artist and yeah. you've got to build your kit up. Yeah. Um, so I was like winning because, you know, I was under an Estee Lauder group and you got to yeah. work for all of them, which was brilliant. So I built up an incredible kit. Um, but at the same time, you learn patience because, wow, people can be annoying on counters. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Um, you learn to deal with people's attitudes because a lot of the time they have the attitude of what would you know you're just a shop girl so you do have to deal with that mm. um, but you also deal with um, listening to people mm. you know if someone sits down and goes 
oh, hi, I'm looking for a foundation, but I don't like a heavy coverage. Da-da. If you go great and then you go and slap on double wear on them, mm. they're never going to come back again. Mm. And I think that's such an important thing is you need to listen to what people are asking you. Um, and I think it's, you know, patience, listening, working as a team and also being quick. You got mm. you don't have an hour and a half to do someone's makeup on a counter. You've got to show them something and also selling, you know, being able to sell something is actually quite a skill in itself. Mm. And I've noticed that a lot now with what I do and probably what you do, you know, people are asking you to do products or product placements or talking about something. Mm. And even if I'm not actually getting paid to sell it, I'm still talking about mm. a product that people will go and buy and I just think it's a massive skill that people actually slightly look down their nose on. Mm. And whereas I think it's really incredible being able to do it. But for the love of Judy Garland, look enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> I went into a shop the other day and I was like, hiya, my mum's looking for a foundation. Wow. I mean, I sold the foundation to my mum. The girl mm. was not interested in the slightest. She thought she was way too good to be there and that she was doing a rubbish job until she got the next job. And I just thought... Babe, we've all been there. Mm. But like, act enthusiastic about it. Be proud of what you're doing. Mm. Because it will get you somewhere else if that's where you want to be. But also, there's nothing wrong with doing what you're doing in a in a shop and actually helping people out. Mm. So I, I really do feel quite strongly about it because I think some of the best education I had in makeup was working on a counter. And also, I think what you're talking about is the skill that has actually translated and is one of the most... I don't know if relevance the right word, but okay. So my background's magazines, editorial. Mm. And I feel like what I used to do with editorial is I would, what's the best way of describing it? Put products, makeup products, just out of reach and go, oh, you, you really want this. Yeah. You really want this. But never really necessarily explaining why, just going, oh, pretty. You yeah, really, taking really, really good pictures of them and making them look amazing. Whereas what you do is you put it in people's hands. So you say, this is what your life is going to look like yeah. if you use this. Yeah. So actually you connect. And I remember when I worked on QVC, that mm. was the first time I realized, oh, it's about, it's about letting somebody see what their life would be like with that product. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, that's what I think you might be talking about and yeah. that's why you're so good in the tv stuff is because you understand this isn't about me going oh look at how lovely it looks on barbara's skin yeah barbara's got beautiful skin blah blah, blah. you're saying but this is what it can do for you yeah absolutely and it can work for anyone mm. and that yeah that's one thing i love it's so funny because i used to get people coming in all the time with magazine cuttings going i've seen this eyeshadow this luminous green eyeshadow isn't it fantastic and it looks great on this model and I would like it please and I'd always be like absolutely under no circumstances <laughs> but what I used to and the great thing was that I'd always say that mint eyeshadow Debbie is not going to really work for you but sit down on my chair and I'll show you another one that will boom you've done it Do you know what I mean it's like you're you're being honest with people yeah. I'm also not going to tell you to go and buy something if I don't like it I'm like no don't bother or mm. do you know what there's one that's two pounds fifty that's just as good mm. and and I and I think that's the thing but I also will tell people the truth if I think that foundation is particularly amazing and yes it is more expensive mm. but you know you and that's one thing I love about working on this morning is that I've got you know, I get to pick whatever I want to pick mm. and I get to actually say to people, you know, these are your options. I know what they feel like because I've genuinely mm. used it or I've worked with it. I very rarely put something on that I don't know about, that I don't like. Mm. I would never never say to someone to go and buy something if I didn't like it. Um, 
And I just, and I love the fact that you do get to educate people in that way. And exactly that, you get to show them that they can wear it at home and it will look gorgeous on them. Mm. Um, and I and I love that side of it. I think the teaching side of things I get a real buzz from mm. because, you know, when someone writes you a message or and then sends you a picture of them doing their own eyeliner because you've given them the skills to do it, you're like, yeah, your mm. life's changed. I know it's a small thing, but being able to achieve a cat eye flick is pretty intense. Oh, no, that can be amazing. Or even just like pulling off the fear of wearing red lipstick. Yeah. Like I've even talked about in this episode, um, giving somebody the skill saying, right, so what you do first is you line your lips, you colour it in with the liner, maybe blot, then you put the bullet over the top, blot again. Yeah. That's going to stay, mark my words. And then, of course, they come back to you and you're like, oh, my God, they can now wear red lipstick. Yeah, and they love it. They love, like, you know, and I think that's so great. And that, that to me is the difference between kind of what I do and, and other makeup artists. Like, I was never really that interested in the fashion side of things, particularly. Why do you think that was? I don't know, really. I mean, I have done a few bits and pieces and I've done personal stuff with mm. people for fashion. But I always found kind of like the fashion, you know, the fashion shows and all of that. I, I did a few of them and I felt, I felt like I was taking the place of someone that really wanted it. And I didn't really mm. want to be there. You know, because I kind of got taught how to apply mascara mm. and I was like seriously most people are going to apply mascara and it, I just found that whole side of it I know it's not all like that but in my experiences I just found it all very much you know I walked in and was like hi everyone mm. and everyone was like oh we don't talk to the hairdressers and and I was like you know this amazing buffet of food that no one touched except <laughs> me so I was loving life and I just thought oh I don't know if I can Oh, you know, and you'd sit there and the model would sit there. They didn't care what you put on mm. them at all. You know, they were very young. They really didn't care at all. They knew that the, the next one they were going to have mm. glitter all over their face. And and I just, I found like, maybe it was the caring part of it that I felt that, you know, the model didn't really mm. care what she was wearing because that's, she, she got put in whatever she had to and the, you know, hair and makeup wasn't her choice. Yeah. Um, and I And I kind of felt a bit like there wasn't really much... I didn't really take much from it in my soul, if you know what I mean. I felt the pictures looked great and the catwalk looked awesome. Not that I got to see it. Mm. But everyone was like, oh my God, it was amazing. And it's all this kind of like, yeah, yeah. And I was a bit like, was it? Because it was like a no makeup makeup look. And it was just a bit of mascara. And they came in from the rain and then, yet they dried their hair and then spritzed it again to make it look the same. I was like, it was a bit like Emperor's New Clothes. I was like, am I missing something here? Oh my God, you said, I, yeah, I did a couple of fashion weeks and I... I was so excited to get backstage. I don't know, you probably had the same thing. Yeah. So you were, you were doing makeup, but I would go backstage with a notepad and then a very harassed makeup artist would, as they were doing one model, rattle through it because they didn't have time. And yeah. Everyone, and I would go out and I'd go and watch the show and I would just think, this seems like bollocks. Yeah. Sorry, fashion no, world. I know, and I feel bad, but then at the same time, people cannot bear what I do, so that's absolutely fine. But I just... I do find it a little bit like, really? And, I, you know, I assisted some really amazing ones. And I was like, mm. I don't even think you've blended that very well. <laughs> and well, Which sounds awful. And I wasn't picking at their stuff. But I was like, you've just done a contour. And there's mm. a, I can see that you've not blended that. Like, Whereas that kind of stuff, would you can't get away with it on TV. Oh, but Bryony, an unblended contour <laughs> is deconstructing the idea of an architecture. No, no, please I mean, that, go away. <laughs> that's, that was my only thing, you know, that kind of snogged red lip look. And I was like... No one's going to wear that. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, for me, it's just, I don't know who this is for, mm. but it isn't for me. Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't make it wrong. No, and I also thought, no offence, 
a lot of the time I'm always like, well, yeah, she looks amazing. She's 15. The model looks gorgeous. She's got mm-hmm. no spots. Mm-hmm. She has the most incredible hair, the most incredible skin. Of course, you can just put Vaseline all over it and it looks great. But I was a bit like, I'd like you to do that on Betty from Basingstoke, who's 73. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. So the skill of actually, and I'm like, but the model doesn't really care. Whereas, you know, I could go and make up Betty. I would make her weak and a bit of pink <laughs> lippy on her. And I just think that fills my soul more mm. than it does the other side. So I knew that that wasn't for me. And I, and I always say to people, try everything. Yeah. Try fashion, try special effects, try film. Because you need to have the fulfillment mm. inside your bones. And in fairness, just because it sounds could potentially sound like we're not saying this, but all of them are very skilled. Mm. Like to be able to do it is a real skill. Um, but yeah, it's just... Massively scary. I was funny enough. I was talking to a makeup artist the other day who only does fashion, and I was like, I just didn't feel it. And she was mm. like, It's so funny because I really did. And I was like, But that's great because that's why you do you, your side of things in the fashion world. And I don't, you know, mm. I love making someone look beautiful and pretty and great, but I just, it didn't fulfill me as much as, yeah. you know, making up someone for, you know, an well, anniversary or whatever. Yeah, yours is empowerment. Yours is about giving Betty from Basing Stoke the confidence to. Yeah, I mean, I love a makeover on this morning. They're like my favourite things to do because honestly, you take these women who, you know, look after people. You know, they might be someone's mm. care or they've had cancer and they've got through it and, you know, then their partner's died or, you know, these really tragic stories or, or just life. You know, it's, these people are living their life and, and some people get a really rubbish run of it. And mm. the fact that they get to spend like, you know, an hour with me and maybe Gok or Lisa Snowden or whatever, mm. you know, be it this morning, which is something they love because they've watched it. Yeah. And to do that is like done, happy. Mm. That's like the best feeling in the world, making people like that. And the letters I've got from women who have done it and the fact that they felt confident to carry on mm. doing their hair and doing their makeup and wearing their clothes and stuff and looking at themselves completely differently is that fulfills me personally. So. When was your first makeover? As in, when was the first makeover that I've ever done, or? But if you think about it. Oh. For myself or for someone else? But so when was the first time you did a makeover, and is, is it something that you got um, hooked on? Was it one of those experiences where you thought, oh, it's just another job, I'm doing makeup, and then at the end you were like, oh no, that's completely different? I don't know. I mean, there's one that really rung true to me, which I found incredible, where we were doing it for a show. And basically, they were surprising a woman who had started up a charity for women um, who had gone through cancer. And we were doing a calendar. So we had to make up all these women that had gone through cancer or were going through cancer. And they were all coming in and... um, we were making them into Hollywood starlets. So they were, we were doing this incredible calendar for this woman. Mm. She didn't know anything about it. So all these women came in and, you know, one woman had lost her eye due to cancer. One woman was going through really quite hard treatment. And I remember having quite a difficult woman in my chair and I had to make her into um, Rita Hayworth or something like that. So she had a mm, wig on it wow. and it was incredible. And we went and had her pictures taken and she was very kind of quite tricky. She wasn't really liking stuff that Mm. I was putting on, but I was trying to tell her we were doing a character. You know, this is a kind of makeover Mm. style. And um, anyway, she sat in front of the the picture. She had her picture taken. She just burst into tears. And I was like, oh gosh, no, I've done this. I've done this. I've made her into something she didn't want to do. And she was like, I look like my mum. And I was like, (gasps) is this a good thing or a bad thing? And she was like... (laughs) I look like my mum and it's incredible. Like she was, so, and like me and Anna who were doing it just sobbed. Mm. And um, that day was incredible because these women 
literally had the best time of their life. They were being made into movie stars. Mm. They were on TV and it was so amazing. And I stood there and Anna and I were like, the whole makeup room was just in floods of tears (laughs) because this was an incredible story. And I just thought, this is what we, we've just done this for these Mm. women. Like, I don't think that woman made it to be fair that I had because she was really poorly. And it made me then go and join the charity Look Good, Feel Better because Mm. I was like, I want to do something to help these people. It's a brilliant charity feel incredible when they're going through such a rubbish time mm. and the feeling that you get and I guess it's I feel a bit selfish saying the feeling I get but the feeling that you get when they leave the room after they've had a session at look good feel better is incredible because they forget they're ill and just explain for the listeners exactly what look good feel better is just for anyone because yeah so look good feel better is an incredible charity that started up, I think maybe like 21 years ago mm. or something like that and what they do is they take women that are either going through um cancer treatment or are in the process of treatment and they you walk into the room and the rooms all basically give you a massive makeup lesson you get given a box of makeup products that they try and suit you which is all gifted from different brands Mm. Um, and you have usually a few team leaders so like five women that are taking control of the day and you basically get taught a really basic structure of how to do your makeup um, and all the products are amazing and they're gorgeous and it's just a lovely like it's a little like a pamper session mm. and also you know we teach them how to fill their mate you know eyebrows in and stuff like that but most of the women that are taking the kind of you know are teaching you have gone through the process themselves so they mm. know um, and you know you can go there and support it and you can become you know one of the tutors or whatever um, and a volunteer and I go in I try and do it as much as I can like maybe I mean, it's usually once a month, but I haven't done it for a long time because I just haven't had a chance. Mm. And they find the place in your local area and it's amazing. And you feel so incredible helping these women just forget for a minute that Mm. they feel rubbish. And also it's great that they communicate and talk to other people that are going through the same process. Mm. And all of them come out feeling so much more empowered, I think, and just giving them a bit of strength. And and I just, I think it's an incredible charity. I really do. I'm really, I find it amazing. And I think what they, how they make people feel. And I think people come out of there feeling so good about life and like feeling better. Yeah, because treatment can be harsh and it can make you feel like you don't look like yourself. And those sessions yeah. can make people look in the mirror again and, and feel like they see. Yeah. And scary. The nice thing yeah. is that some person might have lost all their hair and they've got a wig on and they sit next to someone that's just about to go and have their treatment. And mm. it's, I think it's a really lovely kind of bit like a therapy session, but you're also putting makeup in there and, and chatting to people. And I, I, yeah, I think it's an incredible charity. It's, you know, and it gets to combine what I love to do, but also, mm. you know, the education side of it maybe as well, which I think is great. How did the TV, I mean, I know you, with films and everything, but you are, you strike this really beautiful balance of working with, I hate to say regular people, but like not TV people, mm. and also doing what is quite glamorous stuff. Did you ever plan for that to be how your career would be? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not even slightly. Um, no, not at all. I mean, I think... I find the thing on this morning's great because it does open you up to more of a, a wider audience of what we call normal people, as mm-hmm. in non-celebrities. Yeah. But then at the same time, I do love working with the celebs. And I only ever really work with people that I really love or, you know, you're not going to work with someone you can't bear, hopefully. Mm. You hope that they they have just as much hate for you as you have for them. But I've to be fair, I've never come across anybody that's been, you know, everyone always asks you that question that's awful. Or, and you don't, like... 
most of the time people are really nice to you and you know I tend to work with people that I've got a friendship with or a relationship Mm. with and you tend to get called back several times with them and that's great and you know you do a good job and you look after them but I think it's quite important to get a bit of a balance Mm. I mean I'm sure you find that as well you know you can get a bit I think you can get a bit swept up in the whole celebrity thing and (sighs) tell me about it I think people come into the industry thinking that that's what it's like you know you go to all Mm. these parties and oh my goodness you get to hang out with all these celebs and and it's like yeah, but actually, you know what? I really like being at home, and ha- you know, I'd like. There's nothing more I like than having a bit of a takeaway with my boyfriend and my best mm. friends, and hanging out with my family. And I'm like, it's not real. Yeah, I think it depends why you get into it in the first place. Like, what you think's on the other side. Yeah. And I just thought a really great, exciting life was on the other side that I'd seen in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? How's like, that going for you? <laughs> um, well, you know, there was a bit of a come down. <laughs> But that's why um, I ended up being quite hard on work experience back in the day because I and I distinctly remember this one kid who came in and was like, please, can I go to a party? Please, can I go to a party? And there was a party every night back in the day, like the early 2000s. And so he was allowed to go to a party on like his first or second night in the job. And then he came in the next day, marched in carrying a venti latte and wearing dark glasses that's because you've been to a party. And I just, <laughs> and I, part of me totally saw what had happened. Yeah. And totally understood and could empathise. And I think the majority of the office, just like the bound, the barriers came down. We were just oh. like, you're not here. Like, can we just remember? And it's probably a bit like you on set. Like, we're not here to get to know Kira Knightley and to potentially become friends with her. We're here to make the film look incredible. Exactly. So on magazines, yes, we get to go to parties, but the job is to go to a party and come back with a story or to yeah. um, have networked, not to have gone, oh my God, I saw so-and-so in the bathroom. <laughs> or get drunk and have selfies with people. Or... Yeah. I mean, that's the, I'm, re- I'm not very good at the whole kind of like selfie with a celebrity type of thing. It makes me feel really quite uncomfortable because also I think that's that's a barrier that you cross too mm. if they're sitting in my chair if I know them it's fine mm. you know I've got a lot of them that I've worked with for years not a problem and I'd ask them to do things for me or whatever but there are certain people you know when you're sitting in the chair and as soon as you go would it be alright if I have a selfie yeah. I feel like you've then done. you've slightly crossed the line mm. the line of them feeling really comfortable you're part of their team you're in their little safe area mm. and you've instantly gone to fan yeah Eesh. that's where i'm like don't do that mm. try not to do that that's one big advice that i especially nowadays with social media being so there um people like to have a private life and i think it's really important to make sure that you respect that and mm. that they're not part of your that that side of it i just think is inappropriate i think makeup artists particularly on shoots are I think the dynamic with the talent or whoever it is is really unique Mm. because it's the intimate connection of your touching their face. You've got, you know, you've probably got your hands in their hair at some point as well. Um, But it is, I would say, potentially more intimate than the hairdresser situation. Yeah, yeah. Hairstylist. But I wonder what I have often seen is, and this is from shoots with celebrities, is that the, um, the weight of the relationship is always slightly weighted towards a celebrity you might be having a terrible time but as you say keep that to yourself keep it inside yet you might be then carrying the emotional burden i've been on many shoots where they've been like no don't go in there she's in with a makeup artist she broke up with her boyfriend last night doesn't want the journalist to know keep it on the down low but you're getting it all you're yeah. getting everything yeah but there might be something going on in your life and i just wonder i'm curious 
because even makeup artist relationship or not, I'm curious about boundaries and just like, how do you keep yourself safe and feeling happy on set when maybe you're going through something or maybe you're carrying someone else's stuff? Yeah, that is hard. And I also think that's really important to have breaks. Mm. Like, you know, like I, I noticed the other, well, the other day, I hadn't had a holiday or some time away for a while. And I was like, I'm starting to not care and slightly lose my patience. Oh, <laughs> like not lose my patience, but you know when you're just like, someone's like, oh, I can't choose between an orange lipstick or a pink lipstick. Or shut, and I'm like, I don't care, choose it. You know when you get a bit like that, I'm like, right, that's when I know I need a holiday. Oh. I kind of know because I, I have got really good patience. Right. And I am quite relaxed about most things. And I feel that when I start getting a little bit like, Oh, they're winding me up, or I'm, you know, I'm coming home moaning about something. I'm like, it's because I need to put the brushes down, put them down, step away, mm. have some relaxing time. Don't talk about work. Don't look at your phone. Play cards. How do you do that? Because also you've got Instagram, you've yeah. got IGTV that you do, and you have a huge audience. Well, you do feel the pressure. I mean, it does help when you've got a partner that has no interest in social media whatsoever and he's a terrible photograph taker. So I'm like, can you get a picture of me doing this? And he'll literally go, I've just done it. And you go, ah, can I use it? Okay, I'll use one of those. Um, I think also your family are a bit of a reality. I mean, my family today, honestly, like this is the conversation that happened. My brother's trying to get hold of me. And um, my mum was like, why don't you check her Instagram? Because you can see where she yeah. is at all times. Yeah. And that, my mum's away for like six weeks at the moment. And this is how she keeps up with my life. Mm. She's like, well, I know what you've been up to. And I'm like, but mum, we still need to have a conversation. That's what I'm telling people out in the world. But, you know, realistically, you don't know that I didn't, you know, run something over today or scratch my car <laughs> or do something like that. So I think you have to have, to, I think the balance is really important. I think having a really good group of friends, family, mm that also have no interest in my job whatsoever. Mm. I mean, honestly, my best friends from home, they don't wear makeup, they don't care. <laughs> I try and go, oh, it's this amazing party. They're like, we don't care. Mm. And you're like, okay, cool. Um, and I think that actually helps because it really does make you kind of go, get over yourself. I know that you've just been to Ibiza and been VIP treated and gone mm. into these amazing hotels. And then you kind of get slapped back to reality and your mate just throws you your godson and goes, go and play and play hide and seek. And you're like, mm. yeah, good point. <laughs> and I kind of love that. Um, and I do think you do need... The balance, I think it's also you You do need to know when to have time off. I think when something mm. happens in your life and you go, I actually can't. Mm. I can't, I actually won't be able to take on any more from that person right now. There are some people that are a bit more draining than others as mm. well and you know maybe not to work with them. But also if you know someone well enough that they'll... I had to go into work after um, I lost my dad and I had a wedding to do. I couldn't let the bride down. And it was only maybe two weeks and I also it's having someone with you that you know mm. and I had Enya who was my assistant at the time who was when I was just telling you about who's amazing she's no longer my assistant and I knew that she had me mm. and that's the thing I think you what you go in and everyone from this morning was amazing they didn't say that they, they didn't come up and hug me because they knew not to do mm. that and I was like right let's just crack on the bride knew and I was like I, you don't have to know but I just need mm. you know we need to get this done that's not a problem and I did it, everyone was aware of it and I didn't want to talk about it, it was fine, I still did my job, but I mm. knew that I had Enya like my shadow mm. at all times. And I think that's when you know someone's quite incredibly special to you, when they, they just get you. Mm. And, they, and I think that you've got to have that slight 
just to let you know, I've had a bit of a rubbish time, but it's cool. I don't want to talk about it. Let's and you do kind of put on a bit of a a mask in mm. a way, like just like an actor would. You know, they have to put on a mask and go off and do their job. They might have a rubbish time. They might be breaking up with their husband. Mm. You don't know, but they've still got a scene to do. And in a way, you've got to do that as well. Um, so I do think you just have to be honest, but also know when you can't handle something. Mm. And you go, I don't want to do it. Mm. And it's amazing, actually, when you can't do something, how people step in and help you out. Because mm. I think a lot of the time we're scared of saying no to stuff because we're worried that we might lose it or that you know someone else might take and it, you're always going to have someone else coming up behind you but you just hope that another door might open in another direction yeah. or someone might give it back to you or do you know what I mean you can't be afraid of that I'm sorry to move from something so um moving to showgirls but there is the do. quote in showgirls that there's always someone younger and hungrier coming down the stairs after you a hundred percent you know the scene where she gets pushed down the stairs yeah I like the fact that you made that movie <laughs> classic one of your top five yeah Paul Verhoeven thank you very much um I'm gonna yeah it's so true and 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 now with social media I mean makeup artists now it's like it's so trendy to be a makeup artist that I actually feel slightly out well that's what I would because we've talked on this episode about your background like you studied it you didn't just go to the high street get I mean let's face it there's more makeup available now if we can you imagine if that makeup had been available when we were kids because we wanted it it just wasn't available no. and now you can just you can sit in front of your phone you can do a makeup tutorial and it can look absolutely amazing and i think i've definitely noticed people's confidence wobble whether it's bloggers makeup artists hairstylists because they suddenly there's like a whole new crop of competition and it's what you were saying about mm. worrying about saying no and i wonder if actually what you do yes you have a big profile but you certainly I've never seen or heard of you lauding it over anybody. It feels like everybody who, like you, all the people that I tend to know in the industry, just take a step back, stay in their lane, and they just do they just do themselves. Yeah. And they don't adapt. And every time if I'm chatting to someone and they're like, maybe I should start doing this kind of content, maybe I should start mixing it up. And you just have to say, but is it you? Yeah, do you want to do it? Yeah. Have you got the time? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... I, I also think you have to have a little bit of faith in why you have done so well in what you do and why you're still here and doing so well. And I think sometimes you do, even though I hate that kind of like the compliments or the kind of acknowledgement, I find it very uncomfortable. I, there is a time where I go, actually, do you know what? I do know that I do quite a good job. Mm. And it's only at certain times. Do you ever find that you go, hmm. That's why I'm here. Because mm. I, I, sometimes you do kind of go, anybody could do this. And then when you're actually in the throes of it and you deal with a situation that happens, you go, actually, not everyone could mm. do this. And now I do kind of understand why, for instance, I would charge that much. Or, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I do feel that I've got the, the experience mm. and the confidence to stand there and say that. And I, and I find, especially with like bloggers or YouTubers or anything like that, there's one thing videoing yourself in your room on your own, which actually I really struggle to do mm. um, because I'm an idiot and I also quite like company. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, trust me, the amount of stuff that I have to edit out is incredible. Um, there's one thing doing that and it's being very confident, being very honest. I mean, my goodness, these people share a lot with what, and I, I have complete admiration for that. It's a very different thing when they get in front of a camera mm. with a crew doing it on Mm. someone and that's when I feel that in some ways the true colors do show and I go ah you see that's why I'm okay at doing that 
but I can't do what you do and vice versa and I think mm. it's that do you know what I mean you kind of realise it and, and even they'd admit they'd be like it's terrifying being in front of people some people are really good at it but there are other people that go I absolutely couldn't do it I mm. need to be kind of on my own and actually use it a bit more like a video diary whereas I'm like I've never shared anything really that personal mm. on my Instagram no one needs to know that do you know what I mean I don't even like mentioning a period on my Instagram no one needs to hear <laughs> that um but again I admire people that can so I think it's just you choose your situation and like you say you stay in your lane and realistically if you're good and you've got a good reputation you're gonna be all right mm. you know you work hard and you'll be all right I feel and I hope anyone listening to this understands that that applies to whatever your job is. Anything. Um, because I was talking to a friend who works very, very corporate business job role situation. Shall we pause oh for the door? Oh my God, literally. <laughs> I've never had so many visitors in my life. Right, so that's lovely. A local MP just came and knocked on yeah. the door. Well, at least, you know, at least they're active. Instantly, instantly <laughs> told her that I'm not part of her party. Mm. And she ran away, so that's good. Cheerio. <laughs> um, so, no, I hope... What, I, I was talking to a friend who has a very, very corporate role and um, she has had a similar thing that I talk about with my friends in the sense of someone else came into the business, she felt a little bit threatened, thought that she had to change her behaviour because she saw this other person being very successful and actually has realised actually what she had to do is just really knuckle down and double down on being who she is. Yeah. And she isn't somebody who tells jokes and wants to go to the pub after work. She is somebody who is really straight business and just like, right, this is what we're doing and is all about efficiency yeah. and just being hyper good at their job and doesn't, and she's not a particularly sort of fluffy, oh, I bought him brownies person. And she, she's refused, she's, now she's realised. And I think what I want to say is, yes, we've talked about that in your role as an MUA, but it can apply to any career. Any career, absolutely. Never feel that you should be doing something else just because someone else is doing it and they're mm. more funny or popular or whatever. I just think, no, because people like you for you and mm. it's really important. That's one thing I would say that I've always been very secure about my personality I find that strange even as a kid and maybe it was the education that I had is that mm -hmm. they very much encourage you to be a good person mm -hmm. and I feel that I've always been very secure in that I've always quite liked my personality like I'm, I'm not for everyone don't get me wrong but I also feel that what I put out there on social media is a hundred percent what you get mm -hmm. from me and I find it really disappointing when you meet someone <laughs> you think are really funny mm. and you're like wow Oh, they're just like me and then you meet them and they're really straight mm. they're actually very not boring but you'd be like wow you do not come across like this at all funnily you might have experienced this i would say no more no no more true than with comedians oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah the driest people you'll ever meet and can be quite depressive yes i've worked with quite a lot of comedians and i'd say maybe three of them are how they come across oh really yeah um which is not necessarily a bad thing i'm not saying that they are all really miserable and, mm. and that kind of thing but they're not like kind of constant joke 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 and it is quite disappointing i mean it's like you, you never ever meet your icon isn't that what the saying is um yeah never meet your idols the yeah. guilt, never touch your idols because the guilt will come off on your hands or something like that and i do feel that now with social media that you all follow these amazing people and you're like oh my goodness they're so fun or oh my gosh haven't they got the most amazing life and then you meet them and then you're like wow mm. the reality of their life is not at all what they put out mm. and i 
I always try to be really like completely on. I mean, to be fair, a lot of the time, if I'm not on my social media or whatever, it's A, because either I can't film anything that I'm doing because it's secret, <laughs> or B, I ain't got anything to say. <laughs> like, no one needs to see me being in Sainsbury's um, or Tesco's or uh, sure other supermarkets. Super yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mm. don't live that much of an exciting life all the time, thanks. Um, and most of the really exciting stuff, I'm not allowed to show people. So mm. <laughs> it's like one of those things that. Yeah, I think you should always just be, don't try and be impressive and don't try and compare yourself. But I mean, we all compare ourselves mm. to everyone. But I do feel that you need to have a little bit of a reality check because when you do meet those people, you realise that actually they've got stuff going on just as much as anyone else does. Yeah. Um, and don't try and be someone you're not because it's also just a lie. <laughs> don't Don't do that. Because mm. it's that harder. It's harder to keep up on a lie and be like, I'm this really happy, friendly person all the time. And then you meet them and you're like, they're not friendly or happy mm. for like the past hour that I've been hanging out with them. <laughs> there are people on TV who some people really, really like. And there's one particular person who has been so rude to me twice, actually called me the C word um, for no real reason. And yet is one of the most loved people on TV and I can't engage. I'm always like, oh, I absolutely hate that swine. See, the thing is with it, right? I always think, if you're going to be a bit of an idiot on TV and not a particularly likeable person, fair dues. Mm. If I meet you and then you're not particularly that nice, cool. Because mm. that's what you've portrayed. Yeah. What I can't bear is when you're portraying this lovely, squishy, mm -hmm. beautiful person that's so caring for everyone. Mm. And then you meet them and they're horrible. Mm -hmm. And they're horrible to everyone. They're mm -hmm. horrible to their runners. They're horrible to their makeup artists. They're horrible to their hairstylists. And it's just like... Just don't do it. If you're not going to be nice, then don't be nice. Then at yeah. least we know what we're going to get. In showbiz, for want of a better expression, you know, I, I'm very much, and I know a lot of people probably think think this, you know, you judge someone on how they speak to the waiter. 100%. And I think in entertainment or showbiz or TV, whatever it is, you look at how they treat the lowest, the person who's at the bottom of the call sheet. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's always the thing. I'm always like, oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. And it's... It's just not nice. And also, I always feel that there are people that have been, mainly in TV, the people that have been in TV for a really long period of time, mm. and everyone always goes, oh, what are they like? And you go, they're actually really nice, mm. but they have to be, because there's got to be a point where you will still, you will be unemployed to a point, because mm. if you're that mean and that horrible, and there have been people that have been out there, and we don't see them anymore, mm. and there's usually a reason for that. Mm. Um, and I just think you just... Just be a nice person. It really doesn't take much. Be nice. Be yourself. Learn your trade. Work hard. Yeah. Look busy. In the makeup industry, <laughs> LB. We always go, look busy, look busy. Oh, LB, I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Oh, I've loved this. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's been, honestly, it's been such a pleasure. It's oh, been so it's fun been hanging out. so much fun. I'm literally, uh, people are like, you can talk forever. We um, probably could, but let's do some video content. Yeah. And then let's keep nattering. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for listening everyone obviously the links to Bryony everything social media website uh, where you can watch her where you can see her all of those links and my address if you want to pop will by will be in the show <laughs> obviously I've already put that out I've already tweeted that thank you um, on my way here <laughs> that's why we have a knock at the door <laughs> oh yeah there's a crowd forming outside there's an angry mob <laughs> yeah. desperate for a desperate for a flawless foundation and a cat a cat flick I tell you um, so yes all of the links obviously to follow and engage with Bryony and why wouldn't you after this conversation will be in the show notes but for now thank you so so much thank you thank you so much for listening before you go I just wanted to remind you it couldn't be easier to get in touch with me just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com 
I respond to all of those messages personally. If you want to slide into my DMs, do that on Instagram and Twitter, where I'm at Emma Guns. And if you want to chat to me and thousands of other listeners to The Emma Gunn Show, then click the link in the show notes and join the Facebook forum. Um, Answer the three questions, agree to the rules, and I will welcome you in with open arms. And while you're there, wherever it is that you're clicking links, and you get the opportunity to click those five stars or leave a couple of sentences about what you're enjoying about the podcast, well, I'd be delighted if you would. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.